Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. One quick story that you told me that I still think about. Oh no, is it the mouse? No, it's not the mouse. (laughs) Hey everyone, thank you for coming to us here. This is Reppin and I'm Evelyn, your host. Reppin is about representation of all kinds, from race, gender, orientation, to ideas, values, and truths. Today, my next guest has clients that include Kate Blanchett, Joe Perry of Aerosmith, the cast of Marvel's The Avengers, Dee Dee Ramone, to Bruce Willis. These Hollywood heavyweights all own art from my guest. So yeah, he's an artist, a tattoo artist, and his mastery and care with ink has made him a well-known and highly respected leader in this genre. Think about it. Tattoos are permanent designs that express everything from your history to whatever your story is its representation on the skin. He began his career during New York City's illegal tattooing scene. It was a gritty and dangerous world of outliers. He put in endless hours, paid his dues, learned and honed his craft. Now he has a shop based in New York City called East Side Inc. And there, he's got some of the most talented and incredible artists working to create intricate, stunning custom tattoos. He's also worked on numerous shows like True Detective and Blindspot, consulting and creating some extraordinary fake tattoos for the shows. Today, he's here talking about his experiences and what it was like to help elevate the world of tattoo artistry. So who is he? He is Josh Lord of Eastside Inc. All right, Josh, first and foremost, thank you so much for having us here. Thank you. I know you're too humble to admit or say that you are one of the best tattoo artists out there. You've done incredible work on world-renowned people. I will say that, but for you, give us a little introduction of how long you've been tattooing and a little bit about your background. Thank you. That is incredibly kind. There are such an amazing group of artists in this world and tattooing nowadays, even if I could definitely take a brief moment and claim my spot in history. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm so impressed with all the art that's coming out right now. Tip of the hat to all the artists that really are the the best in the world. But my name is Josh Lord. I've been tattooing for about a little over 20 years in New York City specifically. And of course, I've traveled as much as I can working all around the world. But mostly I always come back to Roost in New York City. I've been tattooing in the East Village for the majority of my career. So what I know about New York is kind of a a gritty and dark underbelly from the 90s. However, now it's a much cleaner and nicer world that we inhabit. My shop, Eastside Inc. on Avenue B, is a total different animal than what I started working in. You're originally from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I know that your parents literally built a house and that you didn't have electricity or running water. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. What sort of things did you learn early in your life that imprinted on you some core values that you still live by today? Good question. I think growing up in New Mexico in the woods in a, in a cabin with no running water or electricity, as you said, 
as basically a feral child for, for the for, and without <laughs> exaggerating for the first few years of my life not knowing many other people or seeing anybody else it wasn't until we left the mountains and entered the real world that i realized wow there's there's a lot out here besides bears we finally made it down the mountain and i encountered electricity and lights and running water and uh, met other people and realized that i was totally unsocialized around how old were you at that point I think four when I first met other people, really, besides the few people who were on the mountain. Okay, wow. Okay. We lived a wandering nomadic lifestyle, wandering around the Midwest for a while until finally settling around the East Coast. Even then, mostly as an only child and not surrounded by other kids much, with, of course, a few exceptions. I'd say it was a long time before I really learned social skills. That, that defined me a lot. Being... Um, so different everywhere I went and finally going into the big city. The big city wasn't that big, but it was, you know, Rochester. Well, I mean, it was big compared to what you were new. Huge. Where I grew up was a kind of a tough neighborhood at the time. But going from being totally alone to being around different types of various, you know, dangerous neighborhoods. And, you know, although right now, of course, talking about race is a very delicate subject. But Yeah, absolutely. Growing up, I was probably one of the only white kids in a surrounded area. We're going to get to this topic anyway. I have to say that I think, in retrospect, that might have led to my obsession with tattoos. You start off feeling like a person that is maybe like trying to fit into a group that doesn't necessarily really want to accept you. Getting tattoos was kind of my way of labeling myself also you know, an outsider, not a privileged suburban white guy. Some kind of self-defense or armor that you could wear and be like a little bit more accepted as an outsider and, and a stranger in a strange land, you know. That must have lent a very interesting vantage point first. And then it's so interesting that you connected that to being a tattoo artist because that is a group at that point. And even to some degree now it's gotten better. But at that particular point, you know, tattoos and tattoo artists were sort of the outsider crowd, so to speak. Talk a little bit more about the connection between feeling a little bit like you didn't perfectly fit in to tattooing. Okay, so leading up to tattooing, going into, let's say, high school in upstate New York, into a, mostly public schools. Let me start by saying something that uh, I think is would give you a little bit of insight. I've been to more schools than grades. You know, we moved around a lot and I bounced around enough so that you never settle in one school for long enough to make those long-term friends that right. you would maybe grow up with. So bouncing around for all, all the different schools, the cool kids that I remember going into high school were a bit of a role model for me without really having the full skill set socializing abilities that they had. To add to the pathos, I had skipped eighth grade. Okay. So I was younger than the other kids going oh. into high school. You yeah. remember high school? It's difficult. But even now, it's still chaotic. I remember one day watching one of my classmates who, who was just so incredibly eloquent and charming. He could talk to everybody, like every group of people in the school and their parents. So like this guy was just... Actually, he ended up being quite a famous actor. His name is uh, Tay Diggs. He's like the mayor. He is so charming and just so eloquent. In every scenario. Yeah. I remember very distinctly thinking, like, if you really want to study something, you should learn how to talk to people. 
and there's a good guy. Yeah. Sorry about this, Tay. I, <laughs> I was like copying him. I wanted to be cool like him, you know? That's awesome. So like he taught me a lot about how to socialize without knowing that, that he was doing it in any way. Just he was like the guy that I thought was the best at it. That's so sweet. Why are you apologizing for that? Well, I mean, he probably didn't know I was totally copying him. Well, honestly, he's a great guy to copy from. I mean, he is really just so charismatic. Yes. You established kind of learning some social skills right. or learning how to talk to people or to be inspired by Tay with how to speak with people. How have you sort of brought those lessons that you learned at that point to present day? After that, you know, the high school experience, I, I also um, left home pretty early comparatively to most people. So I had to start working very young, like 14. Getting out of the house and starting an early employment ties in a little bit to that kind of trying to actually decidedly try to learn how to socialize and talk to other people because maybe I just knew that that was not part of my skill set at the time. So working in restaurants initially taught me a lot about socializing. You have very short interactions with people. Working with the people for a very short amount of time, a table, you learn social skills. Also, you learn about customer service and uh, caring about people to make sure that they have a pleasant environment. I know this sounds abstract, but this does tie into tattooing eventually. I'd gone through the customer service, which I swear everybody should have at least one experience with that in their life because it'll help make you a better person and understand the whole world. Human nature. Yeah, and human nature in a much more successful manner. In all manner. spectrums, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well said. Years later, I'm jumping ahead now, I guess, to tattooing. After I was tattooing for a while, I realized that I had brought some of the restaurant customer service things that I'd learned into tattooing, which I have to say, at the time, was a rarity. You have to understand kind of how tattooing was over 20 years ago as compared to how it is now. If you walk into a tattoo shop, not just mine, mine is very nice. We're very friendly people. Very welcoming. Nobody here, we don't work No with, attitudes. Yeah, we, 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 everybody here is very talented and they know it, but they're also good people that you don't mind coming to work yeah. and being with every day. There's no intimidation factor, no judgment you, factor. Yeah. It's just very accessible, very talented people here. Thank you. But of course, yeah, I agree. I love everybody here. They're great people. Break down what it was like before versus now in terms of the tattoo environment. Well, I do love those days. And here's a danger, I think, that anybody who's been in New York for a long time will understand. It's easy to romanticize the old days of New York and especially in the East Village. The stories that I tell and the stories I look back on fondly were surrounded by sharks and danger. So in my old days in New York tattooing, I got a job at a shop on St. Mark's working basically for nefarious folk that probably I shouldn't mention, uh, working 12-hour days, seven days a week, almost like, you know, an indentured servitude of sorts, which was mutual. It wasn't just them. You know, I wanted that because I really wanted to learn my craft and I was just beginning. But it was quite an interesting place, especially when you're working at a shop on St. Mark's, which... If anyone knows St. Mark's in New York. Very gritty. Yeah. Till four in the morning. Very gritty. You got quite the interesting group of people. <laughs> I'd say if you're on St. Mark's now at four in the morning, you probably will not meet anybody that interesting. No offense to whoever happens to be out there at four in the morning. Yeah. St. Mark's now is still a really kind of cool, gritty place, but it's, you know, stratosphere is different than where St. Mark's was back then. Each block had 
their own set drug dealers, and we knew them all. Between now and then, essentially there was a very sharp contrast in neighborhoods and characters. Yeah, thank you. Well said. So I was trying my best, uh, really, to master this new craft. I feel like a lot of great tattooers are minorly probably on the spectrum of OCD. We all kind of like focus very heavily on details. (laughs) Which is good. Yes, that's what you should look for. I did that almost compulsively for many years until I finally moved on to a different shop. And that was Eastside Inc., the same shop that I now own, but at the time owned by uh, Nala Smith, a brilliant artist, gave me a chance, you know, when I was vastly less experienced and skilled than the other artists who are already accomplished at the shop. Just want to give a little mention to the lady who opened the shop, uh, Andrea Elston, who also was a mentor to to me. You had mentioned like, you know, you were kind of nomadic when you were a kid and, and tattooing sort of gave you a label to almost outwardly stamp. Yes. Representation that you did not fit in. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that thought? Nowadays... Probably every subgroup has many a person who is tattooed in that subgroup. But going back a ways, there were many fewer subgroups of people that were tattooed. So if you got a tattoo, I'd say it was a little more of a statement that puts you a little bit outside of many a job and society. Yeah. When I started getting tattooed, it wasn't anything too huge or noticeable. But I didn't have many before I realized I came to New York and I had was probably the least tattooed guy around in the industry <laughs> in many ways. And I thought, you know, I'm going to commit to this early on. And that's when I got my neck tattoo. It's a big neck tattoo for the 90s. Now it's probably pretty delicate. It is pretty tame at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like it does not have much of a dramatic effect now anywhere I go. But back Back in the day, though, it was really a way of saying, like, I guess I will not be an English teacher. And (laughs) it was a full commitment. And I felt like I'm making a terrible decision for the right reasons. And so I got my neck tattoo, which my friends lovingly referred to as my tribal airline pillow. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's nice though, right? Oh my God, that's amazing. It is nice. It's one of the nicer uh, airline pillows. It's very custom. Yeah. Well, also a lot of my tattoos, because I'm talking about the differences between eras, are from the 90s. And I have every stereotypical 90s tattoo somewhere. Oh my God. Celtic armband. I've got the tribal. I've got kanji. And I wouldn't judge you if you had a Tasmanian thing on your butt. (laughs) I would take pictures and post it all over Instagram. (laughs) Obviously, a tattoo is on you forever. You have stated that you are a little OCD with that, which we want in a tattoo artist. So when you first started, what I thought was so hysterical and so interesting was that you didn't have a lick of tattoo experience and you couldn't, you didn't even draw. You picked up one of those like makeshift like jail things that you right just a total junk m- machine and i uh faked my way into this job absolutely tattooing in general i do not recommend it but yeah. once i realized <laughs> once i got in once i was like in the uh-huh. water it could have gone so sideways you're like yeah that totally looks like a your baby's face and it's like this <laughs> mutated melted molten thing no no luckily i was very careful i only tried to i started well i started in a place with very low standards and that maybe was key, key to me continuing on right. to the place i'm at i really started tattooing like we did tattoo parties in the ghetto it's like you and a couple other tattooers go to somebody's house where they've gathered and then you tattoo whatever they want oh. on premises and they if you're nice they give you some of the food that they've they've cooked 
Oh, wow. We were doing tattoos for like $15, baby. Like, we right. bargain for every tattoo. And they were just crosses and na- hearts and names. The standards were low, and I was relatively good at it right from the beginning comparatively to my compatriots, which isn't saying much at all. Again, <laughs> once I got to New York, I was like, oh, you know, there's there's great artists out right. there, and I am not yet one of them. But I, not, yeah. I wasn't going to quit, point. and I wasn't taking any breaks until I mastered the craft. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. At that time, here you are. You're a young guy, didn't know how to tattoo, were hungry for it, paid your dues, yeah. spent a lot of hours. Thanks for using that phrase. It's very important in the tattoo no, world. No, you absolutely paid, paid your dues. You put in the time. I know you told me stories about sleeping in the store. Oh, yeah. But what's interesting is when you started, the tattoo scene was very illegal, very back room, yeah. you know, an outsider mentality, not necessarily embraced by society. And you were part of that time. Yeah. And now the evolution of tattoos have become stratospheres away from that gritty, yeah. hardcore, yeah. sort of outsider underground scene that was filled with these really sketchy people. The number of criminals and mafiosa and outlaw bikers and dirty cops that I know is greatly diminished. But you went from that world, the original world of tattoos, yeah. to the mainstream and even going further the tattoo industry really is catering a lot to the elite. I mean, your clientele, and again, I know you'll be too modest to list some of your clients, but you know, I'm not. You've tattooed Kate Blanchett. You tattooed Joe Perry. Uh-huh. You designed a, a custom tattoo for the entire Avengers, pretty much the entire Avengers cast. The first guys, the originals. Yeah, the original guys. I mean, your clientele is a who's who. Thanks. Uh, can you talk about what it's like being a part of this original underground tattoo world to the evolution of the genre to a point where many shops have this almost velvet rope policy where there are, you know, very long lines to get an appointment with the artist. It's intimidating in a different way. But Eastside Inc. is not that way. It's very welcoming, very accessible. I'd like to think so. If you've ever been the kid that couldn't sit at the cool kids table mm. you've got two choices you eventually become the jerk if you have a chance to be or you remember those moments and you try to make sure that that doesn't happen to somebody else i think that's great there are no pretenses here and i think it's probably because you've infused a lot of your own you know personal values into the shop this isn't just a blatant plug for my awesome shop i'll plug that it is an awesome shop. Eastside Inc. is one of the, and before I owned it, of course, even before I worked there, 
was one of the shops that changed kind of the way that tattooing was done. And in New York, and New York is, of course, a microcosm for, or a macrocosm. So the, the shop pushed incredible artwork and relatively accepting kindness towards people long before I think I was even involved. And that's an exceptional thing and a rare thing in the industry. That was like the moment that I realized, you know, this is the first shop that I saw that cared about people that were coming in comparatively. Lots of great artists, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were nice to you when you came in. Let me just describe a little bit of what I'm talking about. Please. There was a model for tattoo shops, and this was pretty much all the shops that I ever seen in New York prior to. Come into a shop, and it's usually red for some reason, and you come into a small red room with a tiny window where you can see somebody who's going to be rude to you. And all over the walls, <laughs> all over the walls are <laughs> artwork, flash, we call flash, the things that you can choose from. So there's like pictures of all the things, flash sheets. Just a shit ton of pictures and that just you just, ridiculous all over the walls, ones yeah. too, yeah. And so I want that dragon, you know. So you come into this weird red room, and the little slot door window opens and somebody's like what and, <laughs> and then you're like excuse me sir could i maybe have a small dragon and you're like sit down if uh, things go well you get uh -huh. dragged into the back room and uh, introduced to your artist in their defense and you know i was definitely in this situation yeah it, it was a tough time it was and yeah you kind of had city. to be a little bit intimidating yeah. so anyway back to this weird red room so you come into the weird red room i think it's meant to kind of be like here and help just be cool when i went into Eastside, it still had the front room but it was much more open and welcoming and you still had a window but it was a big picture window and somebody behind a desk was nice to you there was no flash it was all custom and you could see all of the art that people had drawn for other people's tattoos so you look at the wall where you would normally be picking out your you know which kind of panther you wanted or the name and the heart and you're looking at like all these beautiful things that each artist draws and they're drawing not just to impress the customer, but also to impress each other. And here's the thing that I'd like to say in general when people talk about the differences. Back then, you were lucky to be there and that's the attitude that they gave you. And now we think, and I honestly think, you can see it when you come into most tattoo shops now because things have changed. We're lucky that you're here. Thank you. Right. But again, a lot of those values that you imprinted in the shop of East Side Inc. that lives through the shop. Yes. And I'm not heavily inked, but I, you know. Yet. Yet. <laughs> it feels very uh, like a natural extension of who you are, Josh. Thanks. Uh, that's a great compliment, I think. I mean, obviously, I have two partners and I'm leaving them out of this discussion. They deserve absolute credit. Nothing. But, but they were both. <laughs> they deserve nothing. I it, did this. It's all about you. <laughs> anyway, I yes. dragged these two <laughs> helpless individuals. <laughs> no, but my two partners, I'll just say briefly, were from the other side of the industry. They were both what we now call managers, which was then called floor girls. They were part of the transitions. But you you are part of the, the original, I'm going to say OGs, the original Thanks. gangsters yeah. of being able to push the tattoo world into a much more mainstream art form. Um, and you're catering to, you know, some of the top, talent that we have to offer. Yeah, that's good and that's bad too. I don't necessarily think that a lot of people who hear this from the industry would be like, that's a good thing. You know, a lot of them might be a little upset that that's the case. That it's not so underground. Well, even I, you miss the days when I could walk somewhere and people would be like, oh, that guy, he's, I'm slightly afraid of him just by looking at him. That just doesn't, you know, that's not the case anymore. You know, you go into any restaurant and my waiter has more tattoos than me. 
Josh, as the tattoo artist, you're privy to telling a lot of stories on tattoos. Yeah. It, with tattoos. When you get a tattoo, you're essentially the parent of something that will be on somebody forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are a storyteller. Thank you. Can you tell me what it's like to know that you are the father yeah. of these art pieces that represent someone's experience or personal story? Can you tell me some about what that's like for you to know that? You know, when they're getting a tattoo, usually, and I, you know, I say even the ones that are frivolous, they still mean something in their own way to that person. They're getting right. it permanently inscribed, and that means something. Right. Yeah, I've always had this philosophy, do this tattoo as if it's the very last tattoo that you'll ever get to do, and then you'll do your best. Absolutely. Okay, so you're doing this piece that you're really trying your hardest to do, and you're very excited, and you're done, and then it leaves you. You know, it's like every relationship in high school. <laughs> what you have is this understanding that Although the tattoo is gone from you, but you know that the tattoo goes out and has a life of its own and it has its own adventures. And I think of the tattoo out there in the world doing, you know, exciting things in Ibiza. Even though I take credit, like you said, for the tattoos I do, everyone has to understand. Anybody who has gotten a tattoo with a person that works with them does understand. It's a mutual artwork piece that you are co-doing with the, the other creator as the person who receives it. They tell you the things that they want and you work with them to try to get that thing made. I'm leading into the next thing that I love most about tattooing. Yeah. Parameters. If I was left to my own devices with like a lot of paper and art material, let's say, and I could just draw whatever I wanted, I stare at the page and I think of all the possible things that I could be inspired by and I'm lost. So if someone comes in and they say, this is the thing that I want. This is why it means something to me. This is the style that I like. Parameters. Now I know what I'm doing. And I can do that thing to the best of my ability. Now, speaking of parameters, yeah. you have tattooed the biggest talent in the world, the Avengers. Oh, yeah. The Avengers guys, cast. So cool. Chris Evans, Chris <laughs> Helmsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr. Am I missing anybody? Mark Ruffalo wasn't there that day. Yeah, but don't forget Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner. I'm so sorry, Jeremy. He doesn't care about me at all. <laughs> and if you do, call Very me. Very cool guy. Yeah. Call me. But speaking of parameters, yeah. you had many parameters. Oh, yeah. Let me just set this up. So you did a custom tattoo for the Avengers cast. Yes. Now, the parameters. You have some of the biggest Hollywood actors in the world. You have a custom tattoo. Yeah. And, you know, each cast member, like everybody else in the world, you know, has distinct personalities and needs and asks. So I'm sure they all wanted very specific things for this tattoo, like incorporating their characters, emblems and, you know, other elements that you had to consider that all need to be sort of melded into one. Let's yeah. put it that way. They're all ingredients in the chili. Yes. It's a packed chili. Tell me a little bit about that experience when you talk about parameters, because you had a lot of parameters. This was great. It was a wonderful experience. First of all, let me start by saying that I grew up with comic books during that whole yeah. earlier discussion about being relatively solo, you know, only child, very kind of nerdy. So I loved comic books. Being a part of this was not like just a job. It was, you know, a dream come true as an adult to be, you know, a tip of the hat to childhood. I mean, it's a geek's wet dream. It is, but also very intimidating. You got this group of like A-lister, they're all incredible actors and they're in this, not only are they great on their own, but they're in this incredible project that mm -hmm. I was obsessed with. 
so everybody has to agree. That's so hard. It'd be like going out to lunch and agreeing on the same thing that they're all going to order, right. except a thousand times more complicated. Yeah. So getting everybody on the list of the Avengers to agree on a design. Picture the text conversation. Yeah. If you've seen the design, it's, it's very, beautiful. thank you. I was going to say it's very simple, but to downplay it for, you know, artists who are going to look at it, like it's not an incredibly complex design in yeah. detail. It's me in meaning and in simplicity. So the parameters were a tattoo that all the people in the Avengers would agree on uh -huh. and it had to fit all their personalities enough for them to get it. Mm. And it had to incorporate all of their symbols. My addition was I also incorporated all of their initials, both their characters and the initials of the actors in the right. in the piece. And of course, it's got a big A and a big six for the original six. And let me try to reframe this in uh, a more everyday way so people have a better reference point. Try preparing and planning a lunch with your friends, eight of your friends. <laughs> just normal. Yeah. Friends. Oh, I'm gluten-free. Yeah. Try just scheduling lunch with eight of your friends for a day. Now, crank that sucker all the way up to like 10,000 because you've got the biggest personalities and the busiest people in the world. This is like a group of people that they're, you know, they're committing themselves to honoring up to 10 years of 10 their... 10 years of work yeah. at the tapestry. For me, that tattoo was probably one of the best tattoos I've seen. Thank you. And this is why. It's minimal. It's sleek. But here's the thing that's tough. When you have to do so much with so little, incorporate their real names, their characters, I think that's hard. So hats off to you. And then the pressure cooker of just having all of those parameters. That was tough. Is yeah. tough. Part of this, which many people who follow the Avengers might already know this, I made each of them do part of my Avengers tattoo. Wait, you have an Avengers tattoo? Yes, I have my own Avengers tattoo. It was great. They flew me out to uh, California. Uh -huh. And it was the day before the premiere. Oh, awesome. They were like, we're going to do this big party. You're going to tattoo all of us. And then after each person would get their tattoo, mm -hmm. I made them all do one part of my Avengers a uh, tattoo. So it kind of, it's not the same because... It's not the same tattoo? No, I'm not. I'm not one of the six, so I don't have a okay. six in it, but it does have like an A and a circle and a little okay. arrow. And uh, each one of them did one of the lines and it's just my favorite tattoo. Where is it? Oh, I will show you, those of you listening, it's on what I call my... Oh, that's cool. Thanks. I'm going to take a picture of your leg. It's on his knee area. You can almost see their personalities in this. Everybody did <laughs> a different line. What does that say? What does that mean? Well, like the big line is Robert Downey Jr. Okay. And the uh, arrow is Hawkeye, of right. course. Jeremy. Right? The main line there is Scarlet. Okay. Who, you know, she was my oldest friend in the group. And then Chris Evans did a, you know, some of them really tried their hardest to do a great job. They did a good job. And then I think Chris just really, Chris Helmsworth really just tried to get me back. Like he, he went in deep. It hurt. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts well, now. It's right by your bone. Yeah. It looks great. What's it like to be privy and have the responsibility to do something that will be with someone forever going further to be having that responsibility to tell someone's important story? It's an incredible blessing to be in that situation. But of course, the responsibility weighs heavily. Right. So like everybody who comes in and gets a tattoo, whether I see them like 20 years later, they remember everything. So say this, you get a really nice tattoo and the guy is just a bag of dicks. He's just a terrible person. Mm. You have like a terrible time. And every time you look at it, you're like, 
well, that's a beautiful portrait of my grandmother. But all I remember is that this guy was a total jerk the whole right. time. So it ruins the whole thing. Your okay. experience ties into it, right? Every single time you do a tattoo, you have to remember that this is just as important if it's a tiny tattoo or a huge tattoo to the person getting it. But you have been privy to so many powerful moments in people's lives. Absolutely. And that's a blessing. This is not what I thought I was getting into when I got into this career. It seemed like a rebellious denial of all the responsible things I could do. And I would just kind of be an outsider. <laughs> Joke's on me. <laughs> a lot of people get tattoos for many, many, many different reasons. None of them are right. None of them are wrong. They're just very personal. Some of them are wrong. Okay. There are some 4 a.m. calls. <laughs> I think it's amazing that you see so clearly your responsibility that you've been given and you have been a part of so many very important profound moments because you are the tattoo artist right and i'm blessed to be able to do that because i get to see a tiny little window it opens up into the people in their lives with every tattoo you get to do and people are really relatively unguarded they're at the mercy of their angels and demons Brilliantly said. you get kind of some insight every single time you see somebody clearly with no guard walls no no barriers. The other thing that I sort of wanted to go back to really quickly is that here you are, you are a, a very well-known and highly respected art tattoo artist. Thank you. But I also love the fact that you have stayed so grounded. Like you are a comic book nerd. Big time. The fact that you tattooed the biggest of you know movie stars in the world, that excitement isn't lost on you. It's a wonderful thing when you get an opportunity like that. It is also the most painfully stressful, difficult thing at the same time. So what I have always done when I get an opportunity like this, yeah. you gotta show up, use all the experience at your disposal, do the best job you can, bury your freaking emotions until you get back to the hotel room and throw up, that's all. Do your job. Yeah, do your job, show up, do it. I think what I really appreciate about you is that you have not lost um, the excitement of like, you know, your 12 year old self. Oh no, yeah. You're so grounded that you still appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not 100% jaded yet somehow strangely after all this time it's a beautiful thing when you look back in your career from going from again the red room and then the progression to very mainstream sure yeah feeling like you're the new kid you know looking for a seat in the lunchroom on the first day please take this to heart if you walk into a place and i would say extend this past tattooing but if you ever walk into a place and you feel like that that is that is not a good place it is not you it's the place that is if they treat you like that and you don't feel like they take you seriously then by all means you should leave and find a place that does how did you never lose that though you know what it is okay i'm going to reveal something do it this is my business model dr seuss's the star-bellied sneetches there's the sneetches with stars on their bellies and there's the sneetches without stars on their bellies and the ones with stars on their bellies are cool and the ones without stars on their bellies aren't cool so, you know, you got this situation where it's a totally arbitrary made up thing about what's cool and what's not cool. Once you transcend that, then I think you've reached the point of you understand that tattoos should be for you. You should get it because not because it's a good idea. It's not. Don't you know, it's not a good idea. We're we're grasping at permanence and it's not a thing that most people should do. However, if you are driven to do it, I'd suggest you get a good one that makes you feel good from people that are kind to you. I think it's really cool that you've not only passed along how to do a tattoo, the artistry, the technicalities of it, but I think you've also sort of are passing down the value system that you personally hold. 
I would hope so. The value system that I learned was really like the Dread Pirate Roberts. You know, it was a very different thing. But like I started this whole interview with by saying it's easy to romanticize those things. It was a dark and difficult path. And maybe the things that I learned were contrary to the lessons that were trying to be passed down. But, you know, we all have to do that. And the people that learn from me, I hope, overlook my mistakes and do better. This show is called Reppin. It's about representation of all kinds. Yeah. Tattooing is representation on the skin, 100%. Right, yeah. Representation on the skin. Would you agree that ink and tattooing is truly probably one of the most pure form of representation? You have someone's story, you know. Talk about just that. The language of tattooing is very clear in many ways. You know, you look at somebody's tattoos, they're telling you something instantly. However, look at the time and place, too. Somebody has old tattoos, that's where they were. Somebody has a new tattoo, that's where they are. And they're really trying to tell you something and it might be what they want you to see or what they're interested in talking about. And I'll tell you this very simply. If people had tattoos a long time ago, it meant, can I swear? Fuck yeah. Back the fuck up, you know? And nowadays it's like the opposite. Like I would like to talk to you about my poetry and my vegan bicycle. You know, it's a totally different message. We had a conversation about sleeves. Now, for those who may not know, a sleeve is essentially an arm that is covered with tattoos. Yeah. Therefore, it's called a sleeve. You said back in the day, sleeves were about like a whole bunch of tattoos and then connecting it. Yeah. So tell me about the transformation of sleeves. Here in our culture, you, you don't just get a, the whole sleeve all at once. It just didn't happen. You got a tattoo everywhere you went, different ports, different gangs, different groups, different, you know, jails, whatever. You got like a bunch of different things over the course. And eventually you had a sleeve that told a long, interesting, sordid story <laughs> in a bunch of different voices and a bunch of different ways that, that really like led you along the garden path of that person's life. Nowadays, you could do that and it is possible. But a lot of the times you'll see these beautiful sleeves that are designed all at once by one artist and they're gorgeous. So you're getting like a wonderful piece of art. And it tells a story, you know, not all the stories and not the path of the person's life that they took. It's different snapshots in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of like, I really like this one piece of art. And that's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's much prettier. To me, it's not as pretty. I like the story. I like the grit. And uh, I like to see the, the, the bad choices you also made as well as the good. All right, Josh. Listen, I want to definitely keep you forever. And we're definitely going to hang out more. Thanks. This has been so much fun. More fun by far than I, I was nervous. No need to be nervous. I had a blast too. Josh, you know, I have a signature sign off on this podcast where I ask all of my guests to let us know who you are and what you represent. Thank you for having me, first of all. This has been great. In, in relation, especially to all the things we talked about tonight, this is what this question makes me think of. I'm Josh Lord, and I represent the uniqueness in equality and the equality in uniqueness. Never forget that you are your own person, but at the same time, everybody is equal in value. That does not mean the same. Thank you to Josh Lord. I had a blast hanging out. If you want some incredible tattoos or just to see some fantastic artistry, check out Eastside Inc. and follow Josh on social media. As always, links are provided in the episode description. We're going to be taking a break for the holidays and back in the new year with AJ Mendez. She's a former professional wrestler with the WWE under the ring name AJ Lee. She's also a New York Times bestselling author of Crazy Is My Superpower, How I Triumphed by Breaking Bones, Breaking Hearts, and Breaking the Rules. 
Now, while we're on break, it's a fantastic time to catch up on Reppin because we've had the privilege of having some awesome guests like Danny Pino from FX's Mayans MC, Michelle Hurd of Star Trek Picard, Tara Setmayer of The Lincoln Project, Sierra Bagas, lead actress of Phantom of the Opera and The Little Mermaid, to the eight-time Emmy-winning actress, Mary Beth Evans from Days of Our Lives. They're all sharing their stories, insight, and inspirations with you. So share Reppin' with your friends, subscribe, and leave a review. And you can always reach me on Twitter at Reppin' Podcast and follow me on Instagram at Reppin' underscore podcast. Thanks always to Nelson Pinheiro, my musical composer and technical director for all of his time and talent. Love and thanks always to Gracie Kong. To the listeners, thank you for being with us. Wishing you and yours a very safe, healthy, and happy holidays. Please take care of yourself and each other. Reppin' is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Until next time, be sure to stand up and represent. Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.